and welcome to episode one, the debut episode of the official Establish the Run podcast. My name is Adam Levitan. I am one of the co-founders here at ETR. Today, I am joined by my partner in this endeavor, the unquestioned true king of the football analysis industry, the lord of the infamous gallon water chug. It is, of course, Evan Silva. Evan, what's going on, buddy? What's up, Adam? Doing well, man. Last time we did it, well, I guess we've done a couple of DFS podcasts, uh, yeah. DFS podcasts, but um, the last time we did a podcast together as business partners or as like, you know, true teammates was, uh, man, that was, it was a while ago. We did a preseason DFS one and we just got shut down <laughs> uh, after episode one. Uh, but it's it's good to it's it's good to rekindle the flame and you know reunite and uh, get back together and we're we're gonna have a great season. I'm really excited for it. Once uh, we write the book of the establish the run history, we will go into detail about what happened to that one uh, that one podcast uh, thing that we did in 2015. Um, now, nah, just about the we're gonna get into ball in a second here, but about the business, like I, I know this whole thing has made you maybe a bit like you don't want it to be about you. I know you want it to be about uh, uh, the, the analysis and the football. And a lot of people would revel in like all the attention. Like, I don't know if people noticed, like Evan was somebody wrote an article on, on like uh, a bunch of websites about Evan. There's Reddit threads. Like, where is Evan going? Where is Evan going? It's like big news. I know you want it to be, uh, about the analysis and the ball, but I feel like this whole kind of leaving Roto world starting a whole thing has made you maybe a bit uncomfortable about the public spotlight. Is that fair, Evan, or no? Um, yeah, I mean that's you know it's it's definitely like not not about me you know it's 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 always about the players and and football you know and that's what I like to talk about I don't like to do like podcasts about myself you know <laughs> or anything like that um, but I'm really excited about this enterprise you know first of all it was a great opportunity to be able to work with you again Adam we worked together for five or six years at Rotor World yeah. got to be really good friends over the years you made a smart decision what four or five years ago or whatever to branch off and do your own stuff and. I stayed working for the big corporation and look, Roto World was a great experience. It was a necessary experience probably for both of us, mm-hmm. but you know, about two or three years ago, I started thinking about doing something a little bit more entrepreneurial and finally we got the opportunity to do that. And uh, we started to establish the run and with Taylor KB and Andrew Wiggins and Pat Thorman and Josh Hermsmeyer and Brandon Thorne, our new uh, offensive line analyst, um, I think we put together a really good team and we're going to have a great first season together. Yeah. I mean, look, it's just, it's all just about betting on yourself. Like if, if we mess up and this doesn't go well, it's only on us. You know, there's nobody else to blame besides us. And, and I, I'd rather do that any day of the week than leave it up to somebody else. But by the way, uh, really appreciate the support from everybody. I mean, Evan tweeted once and I think I tweeted once and the site just instant crashed and I was ready to to murder someone. Uh, I was so, I was tilting so hard, but when I look back, it was like, man, you know, nobody could have predicted the amount of interest and the amount of people that were trying to get on the site at that time. So we have it all cleaned up now. We're all, we're all ready to go. Uh, but really do appreciate the interest. It's been overwhelming kind of the reaction, uh, from kind of the audience and everybody that we've uh, hopefully helped over the last, I don't know, 10 or 15 years or however long we've been doing this. Well, we got that Schefter retweet, so I'm blaming Schefter <laughs> for crashing our site on day one. I know. If the site had like any chance of staying up, it was like dead as soon as Schefter retweeted it. It was like, oh, God, there it goes. All right. Uh, Evan, uh, enough is enough here. Evan has been melting down behind the scenes because he has not been able to post content. He's the only one that I know that that is just uh, at the at the uh, uh, drooling at the mouth to post 
more work, to do more work. He's been storing it up. And I believe actually the number one thing that people have been asking for, Evan, is your top 150 list, your top 150 players for fantasy drafting. Um, Tell the people about your process for creating this list, for creating these rankings, um, and basically how you do it. Yeah, so um, I I do a lot of drafts leading up to the point where I start publishing top 150s. And it's it's very much um, relative to ADP, average draft position. So you know, I will purposely put guys hot, much higher than their ADP if I want my readers to get them or if mm-hmm. I want myself because I use my own rankings. Mm-hmm. So if I want myself to get someone, um, then I'm going to put him above ADP. Last year, a, a big guy for me was James White. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had him way above his ADP. Uh, he was like around like 11th round ADP around this time last year. And I had him way up in like the sixth round. So if you were like using my rankings or my tiers to, to help yourself draft, you were getting James White in every single draft, you know, and there are going to be some guys that we talk about uh, tonight that definitely fit that criteria. Um, I think people always want to know, because even if I have my own rankings, my own projections, I always get to a point where I'm like, man, I know I have this guy ranked a little bit higher, but damn, I don't really like this guy. I like this other guy more. Uh, is that how you do it? Or are you, or are you, when you draft, are you strictly going off of your top 150? Not strictly, but I'm using, like when I draft, I want to be able to actually implement my like cheat sheet or my top 150, you know, tangibly into a draft. Mm-hmm. So if I go into a draft and I'm like, you know, hey, you know, I've got, let's say Cooper Cup and, and Tyler Boyd, like, I have Cooper Cup higher, but I find myself taking Tyler Boyd over Cooper Cup. I will make that necessary adjustment, mm-hmm. you know, um, because I want to be true to myself and I want to be true to the to the readers, um, and I think that people will appreciate that. So what we're going to do here tonight is we went over Evan's initial top one hundred and fifty, which will be posted on EstablishTheRun.com in his in Evan's draft kit. And what we did is we went through and we looked at the biggest market differences between average draft position and where Evan has them. Um, 10 guys that we're going to go through here relatively in order of ADP. I find some of these guys fascinating because I think we might disagree a little bit on some of these guys, but some of them we certainly agree on. And one that we definitely agree on is AJ Green. Evan Silva has him 21st overall in his top 150. Current ADP is 35.2. I mean, uh, I don't understand how AJ Green's ADP can be 35.2. I understand that he missed seven games last year, has had a ton of toe problems, uh, all reports from the offseason were really strong on A.J. Green's health. And when this guy has played, he is bald. I mean, one of my favorite stats, I think one of your favorite stats too, yards per root run. Eighth out of 107 wide receivers last year was A.J. Green in yards per root run. Tenth in 2017, second in 2016. Uh, A.J. Green, I, I, to me, is one of the best wide receivers in the league. Still, how is his ADP 35.2, Evan? Yeah, and one thing to note is that, you know, like the the James White example was a good one because – you know, you don't necessarily, so I had him rated as like a sixth rounder, or a fifth rounder last year, and he was going in the 11th round. So that doesn't mean that you should draft him, you know, straight off the cheat sheet, straight off the top 150. Mm-hmm. You should have some idea of average draft position and, you know, try to get James White in the eighth or the ninth, you know, kind of try to try to find like a happy medium. And AG, AJ Green, I have him as the 21st overall player. His ADP is the 35th overall player. So, you know, that's a kind of like a a big gap. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you're a savvy drafter, you're going to be able to find a happy medium. Um, And I'm, 
the, the reason, one of the main reasons that I like AJ Green this year is because I'm buying the Bengals passing game yep. this season under Zach Taylor. A bunch of key guys are back from injuries. AJ Green is at the top of that list. You know, eight games in the last year, he was on pace for 90 catches, 1,374 yards, and 14 touchdowns. And then he got hurt. Um, and as you mentioned, he finished number seven among 96 receivers in yards per route run. Um, and that's a really good indication that AJ Green has plenty left in the take despite the fact that he's uh, entering his age 31 season. Um, as I've done more and more drafts, there is no better fantasy football feeling this year than taking A.J. Green in the fourth round. And I've been able to do that in quite a few drafts already. I think he's a buy in Dynasty. I think he's a buy in redraft, best ball, and DFS. Hopefully we get him cheap in week one against Seattle because I don't think that any C any of the Seahawks cornerbacks uh, can cover him. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that because of his age and because he's had some injuries lately, He's become one of the best value pickups in all forms of fantasy. Yeah, no brainer. In a subsequent podcast, we're going to talk more about Zach Taylor and this offense as a whole. But I think A.J. Green, we can say, is a no brainer at his current ADP. Uh, next guy I want to get to is Patrick Mahomes, because obviously there's a lot of controversy in the fantasy community about Patrick Mahomes. Obviously, his t touchdown rate is going to regress. 8.6% is outrageous. I think maybe, though, the biggest ding you can make on Patrick Mahomes is potentially losing Tyreek Hill. Uh, Evan Silva has Patrick Mahomes 74th in his top 150. ADP is currently 38.7. How much of that 74 ranking, Evan, uh, is due to a likely suspension or possible suspension of Tyreek Hill? I think it's it's mainly due to the public overdrafting a quarterback based on the previous year stats. First mm -hmm. of all, no quarterback that finishes the quarterback one overall in fantasy as uh, repeated as the coach quarterback one overall in fantasy in the last 15 years. And that's really just a regression to the mean stat. Um, and we already started to see Patrick Mahomes regress a bit down the stretch last year because over the last six games, Patrick Mahomes went from averaging 327 passing yards and 3.6 touchdowns per game to 291 yards and 2.2 touchdowns per game. And those latter stats are still really, really good. Um, but, you know, that, that was a, a significant regression at the end of the season and, uh, you know, I think it's actually starting to look more and more like Tyreek Hill's suspension won't be long and that mm -hmm. there might there have even been some whispers that he may not get suspended at all. Oh, wow. Uh, but I have Deshaun Watson as my quarterback one mm -hmm. overall right now. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is my quarterback two, still in that first tier, that, that first elite tier, obviously. And I only have two guys in that tier. So it's Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. Um, but with Tyreek Hill, like I'm playing the Scott Fishbowl right now. Mm -hmm. And I got him uh, early in the fifth round. I think that he's a guy that people should be drafting right now um, because his price, his cost is depressed and he's a, a massive difference maker. And it looks like his suspension is going to be, I was anticipating six to eight games for a while, but it looks like it's going to be zero to four games at this point. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see on Tyreek Hill. I think they're going to make a decision before camp is what I read the NFL will. So we should know pretty soon here. It is interesting, though, uh, Deshaun Watson, QB1, Patrick Mahomes, QB2. A lot of people are going to scoff at that. But man, Deshaun Watson with Will Fuller healthy, with Kiki Kute healthy, obviously with DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, uh, the offensive line, I'm curious to see what Brandon Thorne thinks about the Texans offensive line because it can't really get any worse. Uh, can it get any better, though? Either way. Deshaun Watson's rushing floor and, and his weapons. Uh, I have no problem with taking Deshaun Watson ahead of Patrick Mahomes. The thing is, you won't have to. Deshaun Watson is likely to go like, what, three or four rounds after or one or two rounds after Patrick Mahomes? 
Yes. Uh, another thing to like about Deshaun Watson is the fact that uh, Bill O'Brien, you know, I don't know what to think about him as a coach. You know, I go back and forth on him as a coach, mm -hmm. but his offenses have consistently played up-tempo. And um, he, they, the Texans have finished top 12 in the NFL in offensive plays all five years that Bill O'Brien has been there as head coach. Um, the Texans go from facing last year's easiest schedule in the entire NFL um, Warren Sharp had, had them rated as the uh, easiest schedule in the NFL, and they wound up being the, facing the easiest schedule in the NFL. Mm -hmm. This year's toughest schedule right. in the NFL, like going from 1 to 32. And I went and looked back at uh, Deshaun Watson's performance in games where the Texans are playing from behind, and his yards per attempt skyrockets from 7.4 to 8.7. And uh, his uh, yards per carry goes from 4.8 to 6.2. And I went and looked at a bunch of different quarterbacks. You know, Peyton Manning had better stats when he was playing from, uh, you know, with a lead. Cam Newton uh, has been better when he's been playing with a lead. So, you know, this is not like a common trait necessarily mm -hmm. among quarterbacks. And I think when you watch Deshaun Watson play, I think it's almost intuitive because he's he's so good, like playing with urgency and kind of playing in chaos. And at this point, Behind that offensive line, he's kind of used to playing in chaos. Um, and look, if we can get, you know, 13 or 14 games out of Kiki QT and 12 to 14 games out of Will Fuller and shoot, DeAndre Hopkins has missed one game in his career. Mm -hmm. now, this is a dynamic passing attack. And um, they're going to be playing from behind more. And look, he was the quarterback four last year, coming off a torn ACL and dealing with that partially collapsed lung and broken rib. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think that Deshaun Watson actually has a higher floor and more upside than Patrick Mahomes this year. And he's also he's a much better runner than Patrick yeah. Mahomes. Oh, yeah. And also Deshaun Watson did it last year without Will Fuller and Kute for much of the year. Uh, all right, let's move to the third guy we're going to talk about here. Uh, Evan has Travis Kelsey 13th overall in his top 150. Evan has George Kittle 23rd overall in his top 150. You have to go all the way back to 40th overall to find Zach Ertz in Evans top 150 Zach Ertz's ADP is 25 I think most people or a lot of people are going to have Kelsey Kittle Ertz bunched up or at least they'll have Kittle and Ertz bunched up you have Zach Ertz a full tier at least behind uh why yeah I knew this would be a big outlier and I did this on purpose because the more that I dug into my Eagles projections the more that I thought that Zach Ertz was super overrated so you have Travis Kelsey at the top you know he plays in the NFL's highest scoring offense with Tyree Kill possibly out for some time. Um, and then George Kittle with the 49ers, where their projected number one wide receiver, Dante Pettis, has 27 career catches. And their projected number two, Debo Samuel, has zero career catches. He's a rookie. Um, and with all the weapons that the Eagles have, man, Alshon mm -hmm. Jeffrey, Deshaun Jackson, Nelson Aguilar, Miles Sanders, Jordan Howard, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, and then Dallas Goddard, who could legitimately cut into Ertz's snaps. Mm -hmm. I think that we're going to see Zach Ertz take a step back. Last year was a career year for Zach Ertz. He set career high for targets by a margin of 44. He had, he, his, his targets last year were a career high by 44. His catches were a career high by 38. Um, so he's a guy that I'm proactively bumping down because I don't want him myself and I don't want my readers to draft him either. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this Eagles offense is absolutely loaded. And Ertz is kind of a guy that needs volume. I mean, his yards per target were not that great um, 
because he, I mean, so many of his catches came near the line of scrimmage. His dot was very, very low. Uh, all right, let's move to the Seahawks run game. Uh, I want to talk about Chris Carson. Evan has him 41st overall in his top 150. Chris Carson's ADP is 57.8. Now we know, Evan, that the Seahawks are firmly on team established the run. Uh, so we would suspect that there's going to be a lot of opportunities for this backfield. But there has been some Rashad Penny buzz. Uh, I think a lot of people in the draft Nick community felt really good about Rashad Penny coming out of school last year, had a disastrous rookie year. Uh, is this Chris Carson ranking uh, a nod that you think Rashad Penny may never be good in the NFL or may never cut into Chris Carson? Or are there just so many carries to go around here that Chris Carson can still uh, get enough opportunity? No, I, I'm actually a Rashad Penny fan. I, I'm not sure what the world is missing with Chris Carson, though, because mm-hmm. the dude is really freaking good. He's six foot 218. He's built to be a feature back. He reminds me a lot of DeMarco Murray in DeMarco Murray's prime with the Cowboys. Um, he's kind of like that upright, big physical runner. Um, Chris Carson finished top five in the NFL in rushing yards last year. And he was top five in average yards after first contact mm-hmm. last season. That's a statistic that Herms Meyer and, um, and Mike Clay have shown as like a really predict, you know, sticky uh, 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 statistic for running backs year over year. Chris Carson's a lead back on the run heaviest team in the NFC. So yeah, I feel real comfortable being above ADP on a player like that. People want to talk about Rashad Penny. And again, I really liked him coming out of college and he definitely deserves more work. But one thing that they're overlooking is the fact that Mike Davis is gone. Mm-hmm. And I know that Mike Davis is not, you know, he's not a household name. No one gets excited when they hear Mike Davis. This dude had 146 touches last year in 15 games. Okay. That's almost 10 touches a game. Mm-hmm. So we're pulling that out of the, the run heaviest team in the NFC. There's a ton of opportunity for these running backs in Seattle because they run so much. So I think that Chris Carson and Rashad Penny can actually both be weekly fantasy starters. Last year, Seahawks running backs averaged 33 touches per game. And I don't think it's crazy at all to think that Chris Carson could get 18 a game and Rashad Penny could get 13 a game. And Chris Carson can be a fringe RB1 and Rashad Penny can be a pretty good flex play week to week. Yeah. Chris Carson in short yards is fun to watch too, man. The dude is a, a, a he's definitely Punish. hashtag good. Yeah. Um, okay. Moving to the next one. And this is one that surprised me. And I've heard you talk about this guy uh, a few times. And it's Latavius Murray, Evan Silva, 50th in the top 150. Average draft position of Latavius Murray right now is 75th. And I think one of the biggest questions maybe in both season long and DFS is, you know, did Mark Ingram siphon off so much of Alvin Kamara's work because Mark Ingram is good? Or is it because that's the way Sean Payton wants to play? Like, in other words, uh, if we think Latavius is a worse player than Mark Ingram, and maybe we disagree here, I I think Mark Ingram is pretty good and Latavius is just okay. But are we sure that Latavius will go fully into the Mark Ingram role or will they give a little bit more to Alvin Kamara because quite frankly, Latavius is not as good as Mark Ingram. Uh, I know I said a lot there, Evan, but you are way higher than market on Latavius Murray. Yeah. So this is another player that I'm not really sure like what people are missing on him because Latavius Murray, I think he's jumping. And I agree with you that he's probably a little downgrade in terms of talent from Mark Ingram, but he's jumping right into that role at worst last year. That was 13 touches per game. The year before that was 18 touches per game. And Latavius Murray has the most carries inside the 10-yard line in the NFL over the last three seasons. He has 53. Multiple coaching staffs have identified him at, you know, six foot two, 230 pounds as a guy that they want to give the rock to on the goal line. Mm-hmm. Um, and if Alvin Kamara goes down, 
you know, Latavius Murray's an RB1. And going from running behind the Vikings offensive line to the Saints offensive line is one hell of an upgrade. I mean, you're going from a bottom five offensive line to a top three offensive line. And, you know, this year I went to the combine and, um, you know, it's about 2, 3 a.m. <laughs> and uh, you know, this guy looking up, he rolls up, he looks like Malcolm in the middle a little bit. Well, it's Sean Payton. Okay. So, you know, I start quizzing him on everything. <laughs> and, um, you know, I asked him about Alvin Kamara. I was like, you know, your offense functioned at the best possible level when you were featuring Alvin Kamara, you know, uh, in those first four games. Right. And I was like, why don't you do that? You know, like, just just go all in on Alvin Kamara. And uh, Mr. Mr. Payton looked at me in the eyes and he said, Alvin's soft. <laughs> oh, no. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Yeah, you might want to uh, take this out. You know? <laughs> so, but, uh, no, he, he did. I mean, look, and I, I think that he was, you know, again, it was late at night for him, too. But uh, he, I think he just kind of realizes that Alvin Kamara is not a guy that you want to give the ball. Like they want to, they, they're a super, they're a super bowl contender, you know? And Definitely. I think that Latavius Murray is, is going to get a lot more work than people anticipate. There's another situation though, where, you know, I have him at number 50 and his ADP is number 75. And I often see him go later than that ADP. So he's another guy that you want to kind of slow play it. You don't, you don't necessarily need to draft them at number 50. Like, don't draft them at number 50 overall. You know, but you start to get to, like, number 65. You know, now we're talking um, really good uh, RB3 slash flex option that I think is going to be usable all season long. Yeah. I guess the one thing that sticks in my head, and maybe a drunken Sean Payton uh, is right, but, like, last year, weeks one through four, the Saints didn't feel a need to have somebody in the Mark Ingram role. You know, and I know that's not sustainable for the whole year. But uh, we'll see. I'm not sure that Latavius is going to get the full Mark Ingram role. But um, if he does, Latavius is for sure a value. Um, Let's move to Miles Sanders. This is an interesting one. Uh, Evan has him 60th in his top 150. Miles Sanders' current ADP is 81.9. I really like Miles Sanders, man. I did that uh, study about uh, elite measurables, what what an elite fantasy running back looks like over the last four seasons. And Miles Sanders met all six of the athletic thresholds. I mean, maybe that's not impressive because everybody from Penn State meets all six thresholds. It's like the best weight room in the entire country. But anyways, I digress. But anyways, uh, Howie Roseman, I I was impressed with what he said after the pick. He said the coaching staff loved Miles Sanders. The scouts loved Miles Sanders. The analytics guys loved Miles Sanders. And the Eagles are not one to take running backs early. They have not done it uh, at all, I believe, since like maybe 2013 or, or 2012 or something crazy like that since they've used a top three round pick uh, on a running back. So I, I think they're high on Miles Sanders. The problem is, Evan, Miles Sanders missed the entire uh, spring due to hamstring injury. Uh, Corey Clement is back healthy and being talked up in the pass game role. Uh, do you have any concerns about opportunities, particularly early in the season for Miles Sanders? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely do. Um, and as you mentioned, his ADP took a real big hit because of that hamstring injury. He just missed minicamp with a hamstring injury. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what does that really mean in the, in the, the big – like I didn't move him at all mm-hmm. down my rankings. Um, I was listening to a Dynasty show the other day with Ryan McDowell, who's like one of the OGs in Dynasty fantasy football analysis. And uh, he was talking about how um, Miles Sanders went from a guy that, you know, was like a near consensus number four overall Dynasty rookie pick to if you're doing rookie drafts um, like around this time, 
you could get him at like 1.08 or 1.09. And that's a really big shift in dynasty rookie ADP. Mm -hmm. Um, And look, if he begins the, you know, training camp on the active PUP list, that's going to be a red flag. Uh, And I may have to move him down at that point. But I think that people just want reasons to be scared with Miles Sanders because they look at the Eagles history of using committees under Doug Peterson. What they fail to realize is that Doug Peterson has been working with garbage at running back since he took over as the head coach. I mean, Wendell Smallwood, you know, Corey Clement undrafted. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, they're trotting out, you know, the corpse of, of Darren Sproles. Um, and look, Miles Sanders is not perfect. He was a one-year starter at Penn State. He fumbled too much. That's a really big concern. Um, you know, if he starts fumbling again, that, that could be a problem. But, it, you know, his upside is is I think better than people are giving it credit for. This is an unbelievably talented Eagles offense. They're so loaded on the offensive line that they traded up to get a left tackle and he didn't even get a start for them. Okay. Um, and, and, and I really liked Miles Sanders before the draft. I thought he was kind of like a souped up Devonte Freeman. Um, you look at the running backs that when they have kind of, when the Eagles have kind of settled on a back, Jay Ajayi got 14.4 touches per game over his last 10 games with the Eagles. I could really work with that for Miles Sanders. You give me 14.4 touches per game. Doesn't have to start in week one. Let's say by week five, he's getting 14 and a half touches per game. I can work with that in this offense. Um, and I think he can get there. I just think he's so much more talented than Jordan Howard and Corey Clement and Wendell Smallwood and, you know, um, the, the the kid from Notre Dame that they played last year a little bit. I just – Miles Sanders is a baller, dude. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I just finished editing and reading and posting Evan's uh, Dynasty Rookie Rankings, which were 7,200 uh, words of, of Dynasty Rookie Rankings. And so uh, profiles on every single rookie, even undrafted guys, Evan has done. Uh, you can check that out too. It's in the draft kit. Um, okay, this one, this next one was probably the most surprising one to me. Uh, Evan has Carlos Hyde 78th in his top 150, 78th overall in his top 150. Carlos Hyde's ADP is a 120.8. Um, I think Damian Williams will maintain control of this job. Carlos Hyde is on his fourth team in the last two and a half years or so. The 49ers, obviously the Browns, the Jaguars, now the Chiefs. He's almost 29 years old. Uh, are you suggesting that Carlos Hyde has a chance to siphon off and turn this into a committee with Damian Williams, Evan, is that why we have him at 78th overall? So I want to be clear that I am ahead of ADP on every single Chiefs player except for <laughs> Patrick Mahomes and Sammy Watkins. Mm-hmm. I'm ahead of ADP on Damian Williams. I have him as my RB12. I have him like as a second slash third round pick. If you're using the cheat sheet, like you're going to get Damian Williams in all likelihood. Um, you know, I'm ahead of ADP here on, on Carlos Hyde. I'm ahead of ADP on Travis Kelsey. I'm ahead of ADP on Demarcus Robinson. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, I absolutely believe in the offense. It's just that um, – but this one, I, like, it's probably the, the least confident one that I have. I should probably just move him down just out of, like, you know, necessity because the gap here is so big. What's 121 <laughs> minus 78? Like, that's – that's yeah, like 43. Yeah, like 43 yeah, right. spots. Yeah. So I, I got to move them down, honestly. I got to move them down, and I will. <laughs> but, um, you know, like I'm comfortable being aggressive about dudes in this offense. I think that there's a chance that he gets 10 to 12 touches per game and maybe goal line carries. There's also a chance that Damian Williams gets hurt or flops. You know, Damian sure. Williams 
was a part-time back at Oklahoma. He goes undrafted. He's been in the NFL for five years, and he's never had more than 50 carries in a season. Think about that for a second. Yeah. I mean, in the NFL the, for five years, never had more than 50 carries. I, I hate, I, you know, I, I hate to let him off the hook, but man, this Dolphins organization and coaching and scheme has been so bad, and he was kind of buried there. But I hear you, it's a concern. Um, yeah. Um, and, you know, another guy that's kind of um, interesting late is Darwin Thompson. Mm hmm. Uh, who they drafted, and they actually signed James Williams as an undrafted free agent out of Oklahoma State. He was a Mike Leach back, and they cut him um, already. So Darwin Thompson is like almost locked into that number three running back role. He was He's a small dude, but he was a tackle breaker in college, um, and he kind of reminds me of Deion Lewis. He's a really interesting guy. kind of forced him into my top 150 because I wanted to make sure that he's on people's radars, and he's certainly on my radar. Yeah, Andy Reid does have a long history of utilizing his RB1 um, pretty consistently. I think that speaks well to Damian Williams, who they've said will go into camp and go into season as the starter, but we'll see. Uh, speaking of camp competitions, uh, Evan has Dante Moncrief 92nd overall in his top 150. Dante Moncrief's ADP is 120.9. Um, I also want to be high on Dante Moncrief. I, I remember doing like a podcast with Kay Adams, like, God, like who knows how long goes, like six years ago or something. I kept talking about Dante Moncrief when he was on the Colts. I mean, the dude is for sure athletically gifted. Um, he will head to camp, it sounds like, ahead of James Washington, ahead of Deontay Johnson. Um, how confident are you that Dante Moncrief will be able to hold that number two job in Pittsburgh throughout camp? Yeah, Kay Adams, our former uh, kind of co-worker, man, yeah. she, she blew up and she deserved it. I mean, she's uh, a, yeah. she, she's I, a I think back to that. I, she must have been so tilted. They made her do like these fantasy podcasts with like this fantasy nerd like me. I was so bad. And obviously she was like big time. But but anyways, yeah, uh, I digress. Yeah, I did all these videos with her once. I was like, you know, nervous and sweaty. <laughs> it's okay, Evan. She was like the coolest girl ever. Um, but uh, yeah, so this Steelers passing game, I mean, I, I'm willing to chase it because they have the fifth most targets in the league unaccounted for from last year's team. They have one of the best passers in the league. Uh, they led the NFL in pass attempts last year. They finished fifth in offensive plays. So I'm chasing opportunity here. I think that Dante Moncrief has some talent, uh, and I'm very willing to be way ahead of the field on a player like that in this situation. Vance McDonald is uh, my favorite non-Juju Smith-Schuster pass catcher in Pittsburgh, but people are on to Vance McDonald. Mm -hmm. You know That's why you didn't pick him as one of the outliers because – He's not that far ahead of ADP. I think he is ahead of, of ADP in my rankings, but not that far. Mm -hmm. Dante Moncrief is like, you know, 30 spots ahead of ADP. And so Dante Moncrief's ADP gives us a lot more room to gain equity in the double-digit rounds. This is the time to start drafting Dante Moncrief or draft James Washington. You know, if you want to take a stand on, on you know, a Steelers complimentary pass catcher, take a stand. You know, this is the time to do that, especially in best ball drafts. Because things are going to start to clarify and people are going to get more information uh, the further that we move along. And, you know, if you can take a stand and, you know, be drafting someone that is way, way undervalued right now. My best example of this last year was Tyler Lockett. I took him in every single best ball draft. And, you know, I tweeted about him and people were like, oh, he always gets hurt. Oh, he's too small. You know, oh, he's, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But, man, I just kept hammering him and hammering him. And I had a really, really good best ball year. 
And I think that that's the approach to take. Um, and by the way, people have been asking me if we're going to do best ball content. Absolutely, we're going to do best ball content. Um, and I'm going to be breaking down a, a high stakes draft that I'm doing. Like I haven't really like, anal- you know, analyzed a draft, you know, mm-hmm. because like we'd have other guys at, at Rotor World do that. I'm going to be doing that this year uh, with a, with a high stakes draft. And I think that it's, it's going to be really informative because it gives you kind of like a, a sharper ADP mm-hmm. um, because people have like significant investments in those drafts. Um, and also, you know, we'll talk a lot about strategy and, and I'm, I'm excited to just break down like an actual draft because I really, I've done that. I do it once a year for the apex league draft, Yeah. Um, but I, but I haven't consistently done it in recent years and I'm really excited to do that for establish the run. Yeah. I also want to get us into a high stakes season long league. I, I think that'll be fun. If anybody else there has something, uh, high stakes that, uh, Evan and I can draft a team in, I think that'd be cool. And, and let the, let the hashtag fans follow along. Uh, okay, we are going to move to our ninth guy on the list here, and this is one of my favorite guys just in general. I, I Obviously, I'm biased towards Penn State, but man, Deshaun Hamilton seems like a good dude and I think a really good player, too. You have him 102nd in your top 150. His ADP is almost free right now, 155.8. Uh, I talked to Matt Harmon yesterday, and he was very adamant that Deshaun Hamilton is clearly ahead of Cortland Sutton from a route running perspective, from just being a better player perspective. And I think Joe Flacco and the Broncos uh, will agree. I feel like Deshaun Hamilton is stealing money at his current ADP 155.8, Evan. Yeah, Penn State's all-time leader in catches and receiving yards. Um, Rare four-year starter Mm -hmm. at Penn State. Above average athlete, 63rd percentile spark. He's going to be the Broncos slot receiver this year. And when he came on strong last year, he had 25 he uh, had 25 catches over the Broncos last four games so that's like a hundred catch pace you know I don't think he's gonna get the 100 catches but I think he might get like 75 or 80 and a bet on Deshaun Hamilton is a bet against Emmanuel Sanders and I think that that's a smart bet mm-hmm. because Emmanuel Sanders coming off a late season torn Achilles at age 32 go back and look at Joe Flacco's history Derek Mason was Joe Flacco's first ever number one receiver with the Ravens and I think that Deshaun Hamilton's skill set is very similar to De- Derek Mason's. Not super fast, not super big, but he's got great hands. He runs good routes. He gets open. He's a technician. And I think that he's a guy that Joe Flacco is just going to develop comfort throwing the ball to. And I love him in PPR leagues. I'm not expecting a thousand yard season necessarily. You know, I'm not expecting, you know, eight or nine touchdowns. Um, but for how cheap he is, I think he's a great pick. It's like a wide receiver five in PPR who has a chance to produce as a wide receiver two slash three in PPR. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I've seen these tweets. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders says he's on track. Emmanuel Sanders says he's going to play this year. Come on, man. I, I mean, this is one of the worst injuries that guy can possibly have. He was already, you could already, already make an argument. He was nearing the downside of his career. Um, Deshaun Hamilton is, is the future. Uh, all right, last guy we're going to hit on today. Uh, it's interesting, you know. Um, Eric Ebron Evan has 132nd overall in his top 150. Eric Ebron's ADP is 81st. Obviously, there's a ton of recency bias. Eric Ebron was so so good for the Colts last year, but that was only after Jack Doyle went down with his hip and kidney issues. You know, Eric Ebron 13 touchdowns on 66 catches. People, he was like for a while there on DFS DraftKings couldn't raise his price fast enough when Jack Doyle was out. He was like 40, 50% owned. Uh, read something today though about Jack Doyle, maybe not even being ready for camp because his kidney is not 
fully healed. I'm curious if you will be moving Eric Ebron based on Jack Doyle's health as we get closer to camp here. Well, I'll certainly be monitoring the situation, you know, and this was an injury that, I mean, Jack Doyle has suffered, you know, he suffered it a long time ago. Not being ready for camp isn't necessarily that important. Obviously you would rather have the dude ready for camp, but being ready for week one is obviously most important. Um, but I think that on paper with what we know, Eric Ebron looks like one of the easiest fades I've ever seen in fantasy football. People are still taking him in that OJ Howard, Hunter Henry, Evan Ingram tier, mm-hmm. but he belongs at least two tiers below. I think with um, Jack Toyle, at least tentatively due back and the Colts added Paris Campbell and Devin Funches. Those guys are going to play in the middle of the field where Eric Ebron plays, you know, Devin Funches isn't that different style of player from Eric Ebron. Um, and then when Jack Doyle was in the lineup last season, he outsnapped Ebron thir- 331 to 164. So uh, more than doubled him in snaps. And he out-targeted Eric Ebron 33 to 22. And Eric Ebron, you know, scored 14 touchdowns. You mentioned 13 at 13 receiving. He also had a rushing touchdown. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot. Yeah, you remember that? <laughs> yeah. Um, obviously unsustainable. You go back and look at Eric Ebron's college and pro careers. And I played at North Carolina and over his previous seven years, he had never had more than five touchdowns in an individual season, seven year span, never had more than five touchdowns. All of a sudden that's 14. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he's a, he's a pretty easy fade for me. Now, if Jack, if it looks like Jack Doyle is going to open on like reserve PUP and miss the first six, um, not like now we're talking, you know, because yeah. The, the, the Colts are going to play 11 personnel. One thing, I, and I, uh, fin- I edited uh, Warren Sharp's book this year uh, mm-hmm. for the second straight year. One thing he talks about how good Frank Reich was at uh, adjusting his personnel package usage to the players that he had available. So when Jack Doyle was healthy, they used a lot of 12, two, two tight end personnel. And then when Jack Doyle was out, they shifted to a, a three receiver, 11 personnel primary offense. And Eric Ebron was on the field a ton. And, man, that three-receiver set with um, uh, T.Y. Hilton, Devin Funches, and uh, Paris Campbell, pretty exciting. Uh, And, you know, like they they could score a lot of points, and Eric Ebron could be the red zone beneficiary. So, look, I'm I'm willing to – you know, I'm willing to adjust if I get new good information about Eric Ebron's outlook. But right now on paper, I I think it it looks really, really bad. Like this is going to be a guy who finishes with, you know, 34 catches for – 347 yards and like two touchdowns, you know, yeah. I'm not trying. And his floor is so low that there's no way that you can draft him in that tier with OJ Howard, Hunter Henry and Evan Ingram right now. You can't even draft. There's no way you could draft him over Vance McDonald yeah. or, or even David and Joku right now with the information that we have. Again, that could change. You know, we want to be Bayesian with our process. When we get more information, we want to, you know, adjust according to it. Um, but right now with the information that we have, yeah, Eric Ebron's maybe the most overvalued player in fantasy. Look at you with the with the Bayesian reference. Hermsmeyer's really getting to you, huh? Uh, who? who? <laughs> I've also heard a lot of buzz about Mo Ali Cox. It seems like the Colts like yeah. Mo Ali Cox too. I don't know how he's going to play, but the Colts seem to like him too. He's a big baller, dude. He makes some uh, like acrobatic catches. You know, he, he of course has the back basketball player background as a shot blocker. At, where do you go? Where do you, Virginia somewhere, right? I don't even know. Yeah, you should uh, know this, Adam. Come on, I should. I, I feel like he's going to be one of the team preseason guys this year, though. Maybe he'll be on the board. We'll see. Yeah, I feel like I've wanted him to happen in preseason for like a decade. <laughs>
Um, all right. Thanks to everybody for listening. You can find much more analysis like this on EstablishTheRun.com. You can find Evan's Top 150 on EstablishTheRun.com. You can find his dynasty rankings. You can find his team-by-team previews, et cetera, et cetera. You can find more and more content. We'll have preseason DFS coming up here soon. But for now, we've said it all. For Evan, for Jerry, upstairs sleeping, I am Adam. Good luck, everybody. Mm-hmm.